Shalom. Welcome to the Word of Impact brought to you by Kingdom Ambassador Center. Through the teachings of our pastor Randolph Ajay, you will be inspired, equipped, and empowered to fulfill your kingdom mandate. Now, let's hear the word for today. We want to continue with gatekeepers. Um, For those of you that have not really been with us from the beginning, I know it would be a little bit difficult, but I know the Holy Spirit is going to help you as he helps us. So we are looking at the fact that everything spiritually and physically is influenced by gate. In other words, in the realms of the spirit, you cannot enter into a new season without a gate. Is that okay? You know, you may not see it, but there are gates. Just as physically, whatever... When, in order for you to be ushered into any building or any place, you need to go through gates. The same um, rule is established spiritually. Give me, bring it down a little bit. Give me the book of, you know, Psalm 100. Let's just read quickly Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all you lands. I love the way it says lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Continue. No, perceive. No, give me the New King James. Go to the verse number four. It says that enter into his gates. Go back to the three. There's something interesting there. Give me the amplified again. I saw something interesting. It says that no, perceive, recognize, and understand with approval that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us, not ourselves, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And then it says that, go to the verse number four. It says that enter into his gates with thanksgiving and a thank offering and into his courts with praise. Be thankful and say so to him, bless and affectionately praise him. Take me back to New King James. That's what I'm going to use. But the scripture is saying that there is something called the gates of God. There is something called the courts of God. Okay? Now, if you come to church like we are sat here, it is one thing for you to be sat here, but it is another thing for you to enter into his presence. The presence of God is not in a building. It's a realm. I hear. What did I say? The presence of God is not in a building. The presence of God is a realm. So you can be here in church and not in his presence. You could be sat here for three hours and you wouldn't have entered his presence because the presence of God is a spiritual realm or it's a spiritual disposition. And the Bible says that there are gates that get us there. Okay? There are gates. So that means that just like a guest person needs to have a gate to be able to access your room or your house, spiritually there are gates. We learned that even our bodies has gates. We looked at our eyes and our ears and our you know, mouth and our sexual organs and all of these things and said that these are gates through which spirits can access our body. So spirits could access your body through your eyes. Not just, you know, I'm not just talking about evil spirit, but I'm even talking about the spirit of the living God. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. For faith to come, the Bible says that, you know, it can come when you hear. So As you hear the word of God or as you are hearing the word of God now, the gates of your ears is opened to the word of God. So what is happening is that as the gates of your ears are open, the word of God can permeate your soul, 
your body and your spirit. In the same way, demons can access a man through his ears by what you hear. There are some people whose life are messed up because of what they had. There are people that when they were young, their parents continually spoke that they can't make it and they are useless. And the more they confessed that word to their kids, you know, as they were hearing, they now got to a place where they felt like they were actually useless. Why? Because that demon was able to access through the gate of their ears into their soul, control their spirit, and inadvertently control their bodies. Is that okay? But as Christians, we said that the gates that especially we as very kingdom-minded people, we said that there are also gates to any community. There is any gates to any society. There are gates by which our society is run. We talked of the likes of, you know, you know arts and, and entertainment and, you know, politics and governance and finance and all of these kind of things, the media. And we said that these gates are strong because it determines the culture of the people. Now, we are getting to the place where if we are understanding that we have gates in our bodies and we have gates in our communities and our societies, then it means that we have a responsibility to be gatekeepers. A gatekeeper is simply the one that mans the gate or governs the gate or secures the gate. If there is anything that you can think of the most, the, a gatekeeper is more like a security man or a security woman. Are we here? So you as a person, you have to be a gatekeeper of your own body. Paul said that one thing that I do, he said that I put and I beat my body under subjection. Lest after I've preached to others, I become a castaway. Are we here? So that means that you have a responsibility to guard the gate of your body. How do you guard the gate of your body? By being mindful of what you hear. By being mindful of what you watch. By being mindful of what you say. By being mindful of what you communicate. You have to make sure that your body is kept in check. By providing the necessary security. Are we here? Are we here? People protect their phones. They buy insurance for their phones. People buy that screen. What's the name? Some people buy screen protector, but there are no screens protecting their own lives. Some people actually care more about their phone getting broken than they care about their lives getting broken. It looks as if, you see, you know, we went to buy a, a computer last week, myself and, and Richie. I went to accompany him to get a computer and after we bought the computer, they said, if you want to buy protection, it's £11.95 for the next three years. If your computer breaks down, we are going to give you a new one. So even people are recognizing that when you buy or you have something that is valuable to you, you need to be able to protect it. Do you know the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo? Do you know the likes of Lionel Messi? Do you know that their legs are insured? Do you know that? I was watching a documentary two days ago. Do you know that they say Beyonce's Botox is insured? Yeah. I, I, I was watching it two days ago. That means that she actually feels like the most important part of her body is her Botox. So she has to insure it. The likes of Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi have their legs insured. Why? Because they understand that as footballers, you know, if their legs gets broken... They are, their career is over. When did you insure your life? 
When did you ensure the gates of your life spiritually? How do you know? The Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit is a seal. A seal. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a guarantee. Are you here? When it says there's a difference between a warranty and a guarantee. When it's a warranty, it means if it's broken, we will fix it. If it's a guarantee, it means if it's broken, we would replace it with a new one. And the Bible actually says that the Holy Spirit of God is a guarantee. In other words, when God wants to ensure the life of a man or a woman, he places the Holy Ghost in him. That means that your body or the gates of your body without the Holy Spirit resident in you is an uninsured life. Hello? Are we here? So we understand that if there are gates, then there would have to be keys. And if there are keys, there have to be gatekeepers. Last week Wednesday, or this week Wednesday, I don't know, sometimes I'm confused. Sometimes the week starts on Sunday, sometimes they say Saturday. But on Wednesday, the past Wednesday, we started looking at who a gatekeeper is. And what a gatekeeper is. And we looked at some very crucial and critical points. But today we are going to go deeper because we are going to look at gatekeeper in respect to the kingdom. Say the kingdom. Say the kingdom. Tell somebody you are a gatekeeper. Say you are a gatekeeper. We established that gatekeepers are intercessors. They are apostolic leaders. They are warriors. We said gatekeepers are prophetic people. We said they are apostolic providers. They are trailblazers. And we established that gatekeepers are bold people. That are able to speak out. When you see someone condemning that faith. Don't be silent. The moment you become silent for people to ridicule your faith. You become a useless gatekeeper. A gatekeeper or a security gate. That does not have the territory he's securing at heart. But would allow intruders to come and invade. Is, is a, oh there is a word. There is a word. Is a traitor. Are we here? So today we are going to go, you know, we are going to learn something very significant. And I'm telling you, from today you will never become uncomfortable when people begin to ridicule the cross in Jesus. The word of God talks about how, you know, David is sent on an errand and on a business just to go and give his brothers food. And as David gets there, the Bible says that he begins to see Goliath, you know, ridiculing and insulting the name of God. And the Bible says that David became angry. When did you ever see somebody swear with the Muslim God? Have you ever heard some before? Have you ever heard somebody swear with the Muslim God? But in our offices and our friends, even unbelievers swear with the name of Jesus. And Christians become so comfortable and see people degenerate the name of God and the kingdom. But the Bible says that God has called us to be gatekeepers. If God is calling us to be gatekeepers, then look, there are some fundamental things that a gatekeeper must do. Write this down. The fundamental things a gatekeeper must do. The fundamental things a gatekeeper must do. And I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about your pastor. I'm talking about you. The fundamental thing a gatekeeper or Christian must do for the kingdom. 
Number one, you need to defend the gospel of the kingdom. Defend it. You need to defend it. Gatekeepers defend the gates of a city. In the ancient world, every city had walls. And on the walls, there were gates and there were gatekeepers who defend the sovereignty of that nation. And when people or enemies are trying to permeate, they sound the alarm or they fight them. Hello? Every single one of us, we have a responsibility. Lift up your right hand and say, Father. Say, Father, help me to protect and defend the integrity of the gospel at all times. So help me God. Every one of us, we have a responsibility, number one, to defend the gospel of the kingdom. Take these ones off. I'm giving you a new one's fundamental duties of a gatekeeper of the kingdom. We have a responsibility to defend the gospel of the kingdom. Number two, you have a responsibility to build the kingdom. Number one, you are defending the gospel of the kingdom. Number two, you have a responsibility to build the kingdom. You don't just defend, but you build. Don't just defend, but build. Don't just defend, but build. It's a responsibility. Give me the book of Jude, the chapter number one. It's actually one chapter. Jude one, we are going to three. Let's start. Jude. Jude, not judges, Jude. Jude one. Let's go there. Jude, a bond servant of Christ. I love that word. Bond servant. When we say someone is a bond servant, it talks about the fact that they are bound, they are slaves, they cannot be free, they are tied. Hello? Hello? The reason why some of us can't serve God wholeheartedly and we are very comfortable sinning and all of these kind of things is that we've not come to the place where we are bond servants. He said, Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James to those who are called, sanctified, by the God the Father and persevered and preserved in Jesus Christ. Let's go to the verse number two. He said that mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. The verse number three, he says that beloved, beloved, whilst I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary. I love that word, necessary. He said, whilst I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. What is our salvation? The common our salvation is hinged on the priest precepts that Jesus Christ came to die for us. He went to the cross of Calvary. He died and after three days he resurrected. And the Bible says that whoever confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in his heart that Christ raised him from the dead, he shall be saved. Listen, so what makes us Christians is our belief on this word that is our salvation. That a certain man called Jesus, listen, if you don't believe on this little thing, you are not a Christian. You can be born in the church, raised by a pastor, have a Bible.
Bible in your room. Having a Bible in your room does not make you a Christian. Singing some cool worship songs does not make you a believer. The fact that you were born in church does not mean that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you're redeemed. What makes you a Christian is your ability to believe. It's your ability to believe, but not just to believe, but to confess it. Hello? Hello? So he said that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. Listen, you cannot not confess what you believe. If you cannot confess what you believe, you don't believe it. Karabasutaya. Are you listening to me? If you are silent when people are calling you Christians and you are ashamed to mention the name of God, forget it. You can come to church, but you don't believe in Jesus. He said that with our hearts we believe and with our mouth we confess. Believing is not enough until we can confess it. That means that I must have the ability to confess Jesus when I'm speaking to my colleagues. I should not be afraid when I'm speaking to my friends. I should not be ashamed by the name of Jesus. Sometimes when we say we are going for evangelism and you look at the attitudes of people, you realize that they are afraid and they are ashamed of this very name they call they believe in. So it says that with your heart, you believe. But it says that with your mouth, you confess. So over here, Jude is saying that I am writing to you that, you know, I find it necessary to write to you, exhorting you. And he says that to contend earnestly for the faith. This is not talking about your faith. It's talking about the Christian faith. I was watching one young guy in Italy. He's an evangelist. He's a black guy. Very Anointed, I love him. It's sad because I can relate, but I can understand what he says. And I saw a video of him two days ago. And this guy is actually preaching. There are Muslims that have surrounded him. And they are ridiculing him to the extent that they even begin to hate him. And he's only one young guy. So isolated. And I'm sure there are Christians passing... And they can identify this guy is preaching the gospel. But because they want to save their face, they will pass and ignore as if they are not Christians. And they will come to church and lift up their hands. Are we here? You don't believe it until you confess it. And when you believe it, you defend it. Am I speaking at all? You are looking at my face, it's like I'm not speaking. He said that it is necessary that we contend for the faith which was once, I love the word, which was once for all delivered. In other words, he's telling Jude, is telling them that, listen, somebody transferred it to your mother and your mother transferred it to somebody and this faith has been transferred from generations to generations and now that you have this, you have a responsibility to protect it, to defend it. To promote it. And that is what makes us, you know, gatekeepers. We have a responsibility to protect the gospel. And we have a responsibility to build the kingdom. Hello? Hello? I was telling 
the church on Wednesday. Listen. The people that break the kingdom and degenerates the gospel the most is the Christians. As I was telling you, when did you ever see a Muslim friend of yours post on Instagram or Snapchat or Facebook what their imam or somebody has done in the mosque that is wrong? Have you seen some before? Have you ever seen a Buddhist person post a picture or a video of one of their, you know, shrines and one of their priests abusing a woman or taking advantage of somebody? Never. It looks as if the only group of people that are very comfortable to post things that degenerate the kingdom is Christians. So when a certain pastor mess up, you see they will send it. Your mothers will be sending it on WhatsApp. Everybody would watch it, would post it. And sometimes we actually think that we are doing the kingdom good, but the truth of the matter is that we are actually harming and breaking the kingdom. Because if you, your so-called Christian, would be comfortable to publish things that destroy this very kingdom you call yourself to be coming from, if everything that you are posting is not building and edifying the kingdom, how do you expect the unbeliever to want to be a part of you? Some of us have betrayed the gospel and the kingdom by our silence. Some of us have betrayed the gospel and the kingdom by our silence. Some of us have betrayed the gospel and the kingdom by our actions. Some of us have betrayed the gospel and the kingdom by our life. Some of us have betrayed the gospel and the kingdom by our choices. Some of us have betrayed the gospel and the kingdom by our decisions. I decided that there will be no place on my wall that would give attention to foolishness and things that will ever degenerate the kingdom. If there's anything, my wall is meant to promote the gospel in ways that people have never seen. Listen, let me tell you, for every one bad pastor, there are a hundred good pastors. The Bible says that they that are with us are more than they that are against us, but the world is looking for ways to stigmatize the gospel. Why? Because bad news is selling, and that is why as ambassadors of the kingdom, as gatekeepers, as trumpeteers, we also have a responsibility to be trumpeting the goodness of our kingdom. Oh, and I don't feel like I'm preaching to somebody. A gatekeeper would preserve the gospel. A gatekeeper would build the kingdom. I love a story in the Bible about David. The Bible says that David is sat in his house comfortably. And David comes to his senses and said, oh, how can I be living in a house comfortable and the ark of the covenant is in a tent? The Bible says immediately the Lord sends Nathan the prophet says, go to David and tell him the fact that he has even thought about me. Can you imagine? This guy is in his house. 
minding his business and said, how is it that I'm sleeping on a bed? I have, you know, a furnished house and the ark of the covenant, which represents the presence of God, is sitting somewhere in the bush in a tent. And the moment he thought about it, he did not even speak it. He did not even take an action. The Bible says that God, who is able to read the hearts and minds of people, sends a prophet and says, go to the house of David and tell him, because he has thought about me. Because he has thought about my presence. Because he has thought about my kingdom. Because he has thought about my glory. He said, tell him that this is what he's going to do. He's not even the one going to build it for me because his hand is full of blood. But I'm going to raise him and his descendants, his son is going to build. But tell him, because of what he has decided to do, you know, the kinship and the rulership and authority and the scepter will never depart from his house. And even if his children come and they forget me for his sake, I would have mercy. Do you know what it means? God cares about people who think about the building of the kingdom. Yeah. There's a scripture in the Bible where Jesus is preaching and preaching and a man is sick and people start telling Jesus, go and heal the man. And Jesus does not give any ear. The Bible says all of a sudden, they come to Jesus and they say, listen, stop whatever you are doing and go and heal the man because he built us a synagogue. The Bible says that immediately Jesus stopped the preaching and went into the house of that man and began to heal him. Why? Because they said he has built us a synagogue. It means that the guy was concerned about the kingdom and was building the kingdom and that's what the Bible says that you have to seek first. Seek first the kingdom. In other words, listen, when you wake up first, the first thing you have to be thinking about is that how do I build the kingdom today? How do I establish the kingdom today? How do I, you know, add up to the establishment of the kingdom? And guys, I'm not even talking about money, but if you meet one person and you tell him Jesus loves you, you are building the kingdom. When you meet a sick person and say, listen, the name of Jesus can make you whole. You are building the kingdom. He says that seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all other things shall be added. Listen, in our generation, we want all the other things first before the kingdom. So when you hear people like, yeah, I can't come because I have to study. I can't come because I need to do this. I can't come because I need to do that. You begin to see people and where they are hard life. He said, seek first the kingdom. Seek first his righteousness and let every other thing be a secondary matter because gatekeepers are responsible not just to preserve the kingdom but to build it. If Christianity is becoming unpopular in our days, it means we are doing something wrong. Stop blaming the pastors who are doing things wrong. What have you done right? Sometimes we blame people for our deficiency. We blame people for their mistake. Listen, I love the parable of the, you know, the parable of the of the wheat and the test. The Bible says that when men went to sleep, the enemy came to sow wheat. And look at what God told the people. The Bible says that when the servants came and said, "Should we go and approve them?" He said, "Leave them. Let them grow." Do you know what it means? Instead of focusing on approaching a fake pastor, use that energy to build another strong pastor. They wanted to focus their energy on a 
uprooting the bad ways. The Lord said, no, no, leave them. Let them grow together. In other words, don't let this thing become your focus now. Focus on the most important things. Focus on the right things. Ask yourself, the enemy has sowed wheat. What good seeds can I sow? The enemy is destroying. How can I build? The church is becoming weak. How can I make the church stronger? He said, leave them. Leave them. Leave them. Let them grow together. Guys, listen. You did not, the Bible says that Jesus has not just called us just to believe in him, but he has also called us to fast suffer for his sake. When you understand that you are a gatekeeper, you are a security man or woman for the kingdom. Every security agent is concerned about securing the very building or the assets that have been given into his hands. Say, Lord, have mercy. Say, Lord, have mercy. So, number one, we said we are called to defend. We are called to defend the gospel. Number two, we are called to build. As gatekeepers, the third thing is we have been called to spread the influence of the kingdom. Defend, to build, to spread the influence of the kingdom. And four, we have been called to colonize the earth with the message of the kingdom. To defend, to build, to spread. And then by our actions, to colonize the earth with the message of the kingdom. Take me to the book of Nehemiah chapter 7. Quickly, gatekeepers are very important. Very important. Then it was when the wall was built and I had hung the doors when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed. Continue. That I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel. For he was faithful man and feared God more than any. Over here, Nehemiah is saying that when it came to giving roles to the gatekeepers, one of the things that qualified them was because these people were faithful and they feared God. Do you know what? The most trusted position in the kingdom is a gatekeeper. Because you know what? When a gatekeeper is a traitor, he can sell the city by night. I'm telling you, in Ghana, there are security people that when their bosses come from Europe, they tell I'm robbers. My madam has come. Come there tonight. Take the money and then give me a share. You cannot put someone there as a gatekeeper if you can't trust them. If they are not faithful and if they don't fear God. God is expecting us to be people that are faithful. Faithful to money? No. Faithful to fame? No. Faithful to God and the message of God and the message of the kingdom. That's why Jesus had to call some 12 people, some faithful people 
and commit to them. You are better off finding some faithful few and committing the mandate to them than finding traitors in numbers and selling the mandate to them. My question is that can God trust you? Can God trust you? I'm sorry, but if you come to church late, but you don't go late to work, you cannot be trusted in the kingdom. I'm sorry, but if you can defy the snow and the hail and the rain and be present at work from Monday to Sunday, from Monday to Friday, be present on time. Some of you even need to go early to clock it. But when it comes to church, when it comes to the kingdom, we act anyhow, do things at our convenience, it means that the fear of God, I'm sorry, is lacking. Am I speaking some sense here at all? You see, do you know the reason? Because we know that these people will reward us at the end of the week, at the end of the month, and we think that, you see, our dependence and survival is on them because they pay us. But I'm telling you, what is a pay with our life? Tell me, what would that 1,500, that 2,500, what would that 8 pounds 75 do to your life if God should demand your life in a second, your money is useless. If there's any man, guys, listen, some of us drive from Luton, we get here at 10. I wake my wife up at 7. Bath Joel at 7.30, sit in a car, drive for Luton and get here at 10. What are you talking about? We are having people that are driving from Coventry and you live in London. 15 minutes away, 20 minutes away. Working when you want, but you don't walk into lectures when you want. You don't walk into your job when you want. You don't walk into your workplace when you want. And listen, you call yourself a faithful servant. The Bible says that on the day of judgment, there are things we would hear. He said, well done. You have to be a faithful servant. He said, committed to faithful men and people who fear God. Gatekeepers have a responsibility to protect. Imagine you are meant to protect. As a security man, you come late. By the time you come, the thief have come. Listen, I've told you several times. Guys, listen. We don't serve God on our terms. We serve him on his terms. You don't serve your bosses on your terms. You don't determine when to come to work. How to come to work. You don't determine most of the time even your salary. No matter how much you negotiate, they would have to agree. I don't want to talk about so many things. But in my workplace, if somebody is even sick for 14 days, we can decide to terminate their contract. I'm telling you. If someone is sick for 14 days, we can decide to terminate their contract and make them, you know, jobless. Imagine somebody sick and for 14 days, I was telling Nelson, listen, I told them, yesterday I was with Nelson, I told him, I said, Nelson, listen, you may love your job. I'm telling you, the day you die, the day you die, they will create another person. But look at how you give everything. 
But when it comes to God, our attitude is like a Jessica. When it comes to God, we behave anyhow. When it comes to giving, we give how we want. When it, when any, it looks as if anything God is demanding of the church, we do it how we want it. But the Bible said, for God so loved the world that he did not give one of his angels his only. If God gives his only, you need to give him your all. Say, look, faithful men, people that feared God more, th- more than many. Let's continue. That I gave, go, go. And I said to them, do not let the gate go, go, go back. Go back to the two. For he was faithful and feared God more than many. That means that not many people fear God. And continue, he says that what? And I said to them, do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened up until the sun is hot. And while they stand guard, let them shut. And they, let them shut and bar the doors and appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. One at his what station and another in front of his own house. There's a place where it even mentions that, you know, the number. When you look at, you know, Haggai and the people, they, 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 they appointed about 212 gatekeepers. And he appointed about 192 of them. I've told you that many of us have betrayed the gospel by our silence. Yeah. Betrayed the gospel by our silence. Some of us have betrayed the kingdom by our sleeping. The Bible says at night, one man slept. My spiritual father said, run. If men can sleep and the enemy can come and sow weeds. He said, Randolph, make sure that when men are sleeping, you are awake. Not just because you want the enemy, you don't want the enemy to sow weeds. But he said, make sure that you're also awake. Because that means that if people are sleeping, you can sow into them. So if the enemy is sowing, what have you sown in men when they are sleeping? When did you wake up? I don't say, Father, I pray for Tottenham. As the people are sleeping, I saw the salvation, the message, the grace of God. I saw redemption in the towers, in the cities. The Bible says that the enemy came to sow whilst men were sleeping. What have you sown when men are sleeping? Listen, I've told you again, like I told you on Wednesday. Grace will take you to heaven. But where you sit in heaven depends on what you did. So yes, we are saved by grace and not by works. But in heaven we are positioned by works and not grace. And that is why the Bible says that they that die in the Lord, their works shall follow them. I'm sorry, but if people are running at Bonke and the rest are coming and there are tractors and tractors of souls are tied to them and they are walking into heaven gloriously, what are you coming with? Tell me! For your five years... 10 years, 15 years of being born again, what has the kingdom benefited from your existence? I love football. Even countries, I'm sorry, that are not, you know, um, 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 other nationals friendly, like a country that does not, uh, you know, let me use, let me, let me, I don't want to mention any country. I don't want to mention any country. 
But there are certain countries they just don't like immigrants. Do you agree? Do you agree some countries don't just like immigrants? But you see, when they're going for Olympics, when it comes to their football, when it comes to, you know, you know, athletics and sports, their countries are dominated by immigrants. If they are going to benefit from the immigrants, they'll give them their passport. Yeah. France, the national team, the Levine players, only one white guy, 10 are black people. Congo, Somalia, Ivory Coast, America. For you to get the passport, my brother, it's not easy. Check! Their basketball team, their let Look at your England. When it comes to boxing, when it comes to athletics, you'd see these people from Ghana, from Pakistan, from these places running and they'll come and stand there and the British people will be proud and say, oh, British is having 50 medals at this Olympics. If these people were running for their respective countries, the medals, so because it's not the country that is making them run, it's the people. So the guy who is winning the gold if for you, you, Britain, if he wears that same you know, thing and run for Somalia, Somalia would have the gold. But you see, when it comes, there's a player, there's a young guy you know, who plays Barcelona, he's called Ansu Fati, the guy is 17 years, he's from Guinea Spain and Guinea are literally fighting to the extent that now he started playing for Spain because they have handed their passport to him what does it mean? when the country realizes that you are of benefit to them, they sponsor you, they take you in the same way, when the kingdom of God, if God sits in heaven and says, no, no, Jennifer is beneficial for the kingdom if God sits in heaven and says that Nelson is beneficial for the kingdom, what happens is that God and heaven would give you everything that you need and equip you to run for heaven. Do you know why? When you read the book of Job chapter 1, the Bible says that it got to a time where the council of heaven sat. The Bible says that God the Father and the angels gathered and they were looking through the earth and they saw a certain man, Job. The Lord said, there is none like him. There is none like him. In all the earth, he said he loves God, he's upright, he's blameless, he's a good man. Job became a candidate for heaven. Guys, listen, we must become candidates for the kingdom. Listen, let me tell you, there are some of us, the enemy can't kill us. There are some of us, if a plan is shadow to crash, I'm telling you, by a peradventure of our presence in that plane, it will never crash. Do you know why? Because God has a general, God has a son, God has a daughter. Heaven has somebody they can count. And I'm telling you guys, listen, there are people if the enemy want to touch, God said, touch them. Let them come to heaven. Because the existence on earth makes us know. You know, it's of no benefit to us. Do you know why? Go and read the book of Job chapter 1. God, the same God that did not allow the devil to touch Job, sat there and Job's children died. What are you talking about? The same God that told the devil, listen, you can touch Job, but you cannot touch his soul. You cannot kill him. He watched, and one by one, the children of Job were being stricken. And the Bible says that heaven did not stop it. When you read the book of Psalms, he said, for your sake, I would even exchange your life for others. Did he hear? God says that he has the capacity to exchange the life of somebody for somebody. I'm telling you guys, when we become vulnerable to the kingdom, when we become gatekeepers, when we think of the kingdom, God thinks 
dreams of you. God preserves you. You know, there are certain people that the nation gives them a certain kind of passport. It's called a diplomatic passport. They don't queue. You will not see them queuing at the airport. They have a place they go. They are protected. They are insured. They are guarded. Why? Because they are assets to the state. Become an asset for the kingdom. Preserve the kingdom. Protect the kingdom. Defend the kingdom. Spread the influence of the gospel. Gatekeepers. They defend. Let me tell you. A time is coming. Your degree will be nothing. Have you seen anybody buried with a degree before? The Bible says that anything we've acquired would go through fire. He said everything we've gotten will be tested by fire. I'm sorry, but if you take a car through fire, what will happen? It will explode. Take your degree through fire, what will happen? It will burn. Take your house. I've seen houses gutted and torn apart by, by, by fire. Take your houses through fire. But you see, there is something that is eternal. The souls have worked for the kingdom. It's eternal. Fire doesn't destroy it. It purifies it. It purifies it. From January till now, tell me, in what ways have your lifestyle defended the gospel? Some of you are even shy to hold the Bible. Some of you are shy. Your friends don't even know you're a Christian. One lady at Murphy said, I am a Christian, but I'm not a practicing Christian. I said, what do you mean by you're not a practicing Christian? She said, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't, I don't do that. I'm not a practicing Christian. Because, you know, she feels like, you know, practicing makes you weird. God is calling us to be positioned at the strategic places in our families, in our communities, in our cities to preserve, to protect, and advance the gospel. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. We pray you are blessed by it. If you would like to connect with us, you can follow us on our social media pages under the handle Kingdom Ambassador Centre UK. We also invite you to fellowship with us on Wednesday evenings from 7pm, Sunday mornings from 11am and at our monthly night vigils on the third Friday of every month from 11pm at Unit 21, Millmead Business Centre, Millmead Road, N17, 9QU. Kingdom Ambassador Centre, raising disciples, taking territories and advancing the Kingdom of God. Shalom and God bless you.